The products discussed in this podcast are only available in the United States. Hello and welcome to the Nintixis Quarterly Update Podcast, where portfolio managers share their thoughts on the markets and their strategies. My name is Luke Palmer with the Investment Strategies Group here at Nintixis, and today I'm fortunate to be joined by Joe Ferrara, Investment Strategist at Gateway Investment Advisors, Managers of the Gateway Fund and the Gateway Equity Call Premium Fund. Joe, thank you for taking the time to speak with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. So in today's episode, we'll cover the first quarter of 2023. We'll talk about how the funds performed, and then we'll talk about how the current market environment potentially plays to Gateway's strengths. Sounds great. So let's start off with performance. How did Gateway perform in the first quarter, and what were the large drivers? The first quarter for us was we're, we're, we're very happy with it. You know, as, as just a quick reminder of our strategy, we are a, an equity portfolio that seeks to help investors diversify either their equity or their fixed income portfolios uh, by providing a, a low volatility equity alternative. Uh, we do that by owning a basket of stocks that replicates the S&P 500. We then sell calls on 100% notional value of that portfolio. Uh, this helps generate cash flow and provide a natural buffer to the portfolio. Um, and then we also buy puts. We buy protection on the portfolio. Typically, these puts are 8 to 10% out of the money and one to three months time till expiration. So now if you think about a portfolio that seeks to provide low volatility and, and you know a lower risk profile, um, things that benefit our strategy are interest rates that are away from zero. We're certainly in that environment. We'll touch on that a bit more. Uh, and volatility, that, that's a little bit elevated. While at the end of the quarter, volatility you know, was, uh, was depressed a little bit and, and a little bit lower than the long-term average, which is around 19, there were certainly some really interesting bouts of volatility or, or a bit of a roller coaster ride throughout the quarter. Uh, so from a performance standpoint, we finished with uh, you know, the, the Gateway Fund returned 5.16% versus the S&P 500 that returned 7.5% on the first quarter, uh, and also the, the Barclays Ag that returned just under 3%. So, sounds like a great quarter. I know listeners would have been expecting the quarterly performance, but Gateway also likes to give performance in terms of trough to peak, peak to trough relative to the S&P. Can you touch on how the fund performed within the ups and downs of the market during the quarter? Yeah, you know, absolutely. And, and you're spot on with that, Luke. Um, you know, obviously, investors like to see their quarterly statements or quarterly reports, yearly reports, things like that. But, uh, you know, in terms of, I, I would say, almost any investment, there's a, a much different story to tell oftentimes, um, you know, a bit of that roller coaster ride. And we certainly had that in the first quarter. Uh, it, it's not all that long ago that Silicon Valley Bank provided the market with a lot of volatility. Um, but, I think if you polled quite a few investors today towards the end of the first quarter, um, people may not even be able to, to tell you what date that happened on, or, or you know, it's, it's kind of out of sight, out of mind at this point, given how quickly uh, you know, the depositors were rescued. Um, but you're spot on. You know? So from the beginning of the quarter through February 2nd, the S&P was off, off to the races, we would say, to start the year up almost 9%. Uh, and the Gateway Fund was up a little bit over 4% during that time. If there's ever a time when the Gateway Fund could or, or maybe would underperform, it's if and when the market rises very quickly in a short amount of time. Um, but then, you know, as, as I just alluded to, when Silicon Valley Bank did come up against the issues that it was having and a, a bit of a run on, on the deposits that it had, uh, you know, the S&P was down uh, almost seven, or a little bit over 7.5% from February 2nd through the middle of March. 
Um, so the S&P was down roughly 7.5%. The Gateway Fund was only down around 2.6%. So this is really where we're seeing the added benefits of our strategy. The cash flow we're able to generate by selling calls acts as that first buffer, that first line of defense if and when the market does start to downturn. And then our, call, our, our puts, uh, the protection that we buy starts to come into play as well. And I'll expand on that in a little bit, but um, we started to see that side of the market and that side of our portfolio normalize quite a bit during the first quarter. So it added a lot of benefit for our investors. And then as the market you know, kind of found its bottom in the middle of March, through the end of March, uh, the S&P was up around 6.5%, and our fund was up uh, just under 4%. So um, we were able to generate nice cash flow, provide nice you know, kind of buffer for our clients on the downside, um, which when you put it all together, allowed us to have a, a really nice quarter. Um, and you know, on the quarter, you know, typically our, 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 um, our performance profile would be around half of the S&P 500 on the upside. Uh, and for the full quarter, we, we captured around 70%. So again, you're really seeing the added benefits of the cash flow we're able to generate. Definitely some attractive upside downside capture numbers there. To dig into that a bit more, from a portfolio management perspective, can you talk about how the team approached the SVB scenario? Yeah, absolutely. SVB was challenged with a run on its deposits. They were doing what a bank should have done. Uh, and I would argue that most banks are doing right now, meaning they're taking in deposits and then trying to earn a higher rate than obviously what they're lending out at. So they were buying long dated bonds. Um, when they became a forced seller is when you know they, they, be, they, they got into trouble. Um, but what I would say is it was a, a volatile event or an event that caused volatility in the marketplace. Maybe our, our listeners will remember, or you know, over the last couple of quarters and certainly last year, we saw a, a shift and a change in the marketplace, primarily on the put side of our portfolio. And not to go too far into it, but you know, coming through COVID, prior to COVID in the quantitative easing era, there were a lot of players in the derivative space, a lot of speculators in particular that were very leveraged. Money was cheap; people were able to borrow it and and. You know, try to make you know money doing what they thought was right in the marketplace, and some of that is speculation. Coming through COVID, a lot of those speculators were wiped out, and a lot of those speculators were providing liquidity to the market on the put side in particular. Um, and then coming through COVID, we saw a lot of that go away. So now, what that led to over the last you know year, year and a half in our portfolio was the puts and the protection in our portfolio didn't act and react to volatile events as what we've been used to, meaning if and when the S&P fell 3%, 4%, something like that in a short amount of time, we would expect volatility to spike. We can use the VIX as a benchmark for that. We would see a spike into the 35 or 40 range. And if and when that happened, puts would have been bid up as people race and rush to buy protection for their portfolio. Us being holders of protection, being holders of those puts, have a decision to make if we can monetize those for our investors or you know, modify the portfolio in any meaningful way. The last couple of years, we didn't see that as much, right? We were able to monetize puts in our portfolio, but kind of smaller gains more frequently as opposed to some of those larger gains or larger movements on the put side. We're starting to see that normalize a bit more now. So during the quarter, we actually modified put protection five times. 
So during the, the kind of uh, you know, bout of volatility with SVP, we sold three different puts in our portfolio. We were able to monetize that volatility for our investors. And then as the market normalized itself, as the S&P found a bottom and volatility came back in, uh, we added protection back to the portfolio a couple of times. So just to remind our, our listeners, on the call side of the portfolio, per our mandate, we have to maintain 100% notional selling of calls. On the put side of the portfolio, while our typical you know, kind of profile is to maintain 100% coverage. Uh, we don't have to. We're able to monetize. Uh, and I would also remind investors that as the markets fall, when you look at kind of the statistics or the probability of a market falling further after an initial move, um, those puts that we still own, so we might not own full coverage, but the puts that we still own provide you know close to 100% protection of our portfolio in those environments as well. So throughout the quarter, we were very excited about the you know, kind of opportunities that were presented to our portfolio, um, and we were able to monetize them nicely. Can you touch on the advantages of being an active options manager, especially when many peers, competitors are passive on this front? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, when you look at the competitive landscape in our space, it's a compliment to us, right? I would think the one of the best compliments in, in any industry maybe is is when someone tries to or, you know, comes out with a competitive product that looks very similar to yours, right? I think first and foremost, they see an opportunity there, which is great for everybody. Um, and then they, they're going to try to slice it and dice it or, or modify it slightly to, to be competitive. Gateway has been around since the 70s, right? And we've been doing the exact same, close to the exact same thing, I would say, since then. Um, you know, the slight modifications are when index options first came out to be and, and we were able to utilize those in a, a very liquid way. Um, as I mentioned quickly at the onset, you know we're passive on the equity side of our portfolio, largely because we think while investors need to maintain an investment in equities, right? That's the probably the best source for real long-term returns. The U.S. equity market, the S and P 500, the, as the portfolio that we seek to 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 um, to manage, is probably one of the most, if not the most, liquid and efficient markets in the world. So it, it's very tough to add value picking stocks. That being the case, we're passive on that side. We do think, and again, going back to the 70s, our expertise is on the options side. Uh, we think a strategy that kind of sets a, an options trade at early in the quarter, maybe the first day of the quarter, and just holds it steady until the end of the quarter doesn't have the ability to monetize the fluctuations, the volatility, the events of a marketplace throughout the quarter. Um, so that's really kind of our, our a bit of our philosophy and our, our bread and butter, I would say. And in particular, in this environment that we're in right now, interest rates away from zero, volatility persistently elevated, although it, it, it's ebbed and flowed pretty nicely the last quarter or so here. Um, if we're able to monetize that for our clients and maintain a very low risk profile, like we've done historically, you know, our, our beta to the S&P 500 or, or our standard deviation profile, I should say, uh, is, is typically around 50%, if not a little bit lower to the S&P 500. And we've been able to do that this quarter in particular while generating meaningful cash flow for our investors. So just to use the past quarter as an example, from a high level, the VIX was roughly at 20, call it, before the SVB, the regional bank fiasco. We go up to roughly 30 and then come all the way back down to 20 before quarter end, specifically. So, correct me if I'm wrong here, if an investor were to be long a hedged equity strategy, an options trading strategy that is passive,
passive on the options front. They weren't able to take advantage of that spike that happened in the middle of March, whereas Gateway was monetizing those puts into the surge in volatility. And I'm going to guess is a large reason why that upside downside capture numbers, why those numbers look so good this quarter. Uh, you're you're 100% spot on. Um, you know, if you think about a portfolio that, you know, we'll say kind of a, a set it and forget it mentality or or construction uh, approach on the options side, um, isn't able to monetize or modify their portfolio throughout the quarter. That being the case, if and when you look at you know on a post trade basis or at a quarter end basis an attribution profile, largely their performance is path and market dependent, and, and dare I say a little bit of luck involved there, depending on what strike prices and what levels their option pro, you know, profile is. Um, and largely their performance is going to be driven by their stock selection ability, right? If they're a bottom-up fundamental manager on the stock side, their attribution, their performance in either beating or not beating a market uh, is largely going to be on that side. To the option side, again, I, I don't like using the term luck too much, but if depending on you know where any manager sets the level of the option activity, whether it's selling calls or buying puts, you are at the mercy of where the market ends uh, on a you know, specific quarter end date or a specific expiration date if those options are in the money, not in the money, and you know kind of how much premium you're able to generate. So to shift gears a bit, this year market's really been a ping pong ball between the rates higher for longer trade and recession fears. Are we going to have no landing or is it a hard landing? Can you touch on how Gateway fits into a portfolio during a volatile yet relatively sideways market environment like this? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, one thing I said a, a bit ago, maybe in, in the introduction, was that you know, if and when there's an environment that Gateway could underperform, it's when the market or you know, rises a decent amount in a short amount of time. You know, that's the environment where we, we may not that we may underperform a little bit. Now, or the markets where we could perform very, very well, uh, we're starting to see a lot of those characteristics now, is a market that kind of ping pong balls, like you said, sideways a little bit, right? And let's just use general numbers as kind of a, a plus five to a minus five situation. In that situation, per our strategy, we're able to, and, and you know, to this environment in particular, the cash flow generation side of our portfolio, the, the call writing side of our portfolio, um, you know, the profile right now is we're generating roughly 15 to 20% on an annualized basis in our portfolio. I want to be clear to investors that, you know, this is market dependent, path dependent. Um, that's an annualized number based on our, our daily options activity. Um, but that just gives you an idea of roughly what the portfolio is capable of in a market that goes sideways, right? So if we're up five to down five and we're able to generate kind of 15 to 20% cash flow for our investors, you know, obviously this could be a really nice setup for a strategy like ours. Um, to the kind of you know Fed policy, the hard landing, the soft landing. Um, as I mentioned, we're not stock pickers, and we're, we're not interest rate forecasters. We're not Fed policy forecasters. I don't think many people you know, really want to be in that business or you know have that on their business card. I would say, but um, I think the odds for a soft landing have moved a, a bit higher as disinflation continues to support disposable incomes and future consumption. Right. If you, if you look at some of the inflation prints recently or things that have been written about inflation, a lot of investors and I think the Fed are really focused on the consumer spending habits and in particular in food and energy. Right. Those are obviously the most important uh, uh, components, I think, right now. So 
hire for longer looks like a, a bit more of a realistic situation. Um, the probability that the Fed will lower rates later this year is something like a, a little bit over 90%, 93% right now. Um, the probability that the Fed will hike one more time, which at the, you know, the, the upcoming May meeting is is around 86% right now. So that's a really interesting situation to us or, or, or scenario to even kind of fathom, if you will, that the Fed, the market anticipates the Fed raising rates one more time, middle of this year, we'll say, and then starting to lower them almost immediately after that. Regardless of what happens there, we do think we're in an environment that we're going to be higher for longer. And when we say higher, interest rates away from zero is higher. And interest rates away from zero benefit call writing activity and options activity like our strategy you know, allows for. So to your kind of, you know, pointed to your question, if the market continues on the sideway path a bit, if rates are away from zero and we see volatility, you know, ping pong a little bit more as well, um, it's just a really, really nice setup for our strategy. I definitely don't want to dive too far into macroeconomic calls, but the other thing I might add to that is that a world where interest rates come back all the way to zero, even if they do end up cutting, is a very small probability. So the likelihood that interest rates are at a level that keep option prices elevated seems likely. Is that fair? Yeah, I would say so. Um, and again, not to get too far into it, but you know, when you look historically speaking, the Fed tends to cut rates when stock market volatility rises. So if you look at the situation that we're in right now, and again, I don't want to be in the market of trying to predict what the next bout with volatility is or reason that volatility spikes is. Um, you know, there's certainly enough things to worry about in the marketplace. But there's also reasons to believe that we may not have that. And if that's the situation, what would cause the Fed to, to lower rates significantly? What would cause the Fed to get us back to a zero situation? I don't think Fed Chairman Powell is of the belief that getting back to zero makes sense, right? And when you do that, you only have one lever to pull as opposed to two, being able to raise and lower rates. So um, we're very much in that camp as well, that, that you know, we don't think rates go back to zero anytime soon. And if they do, it's going to be kind of a slow pace to get there. So last question for you. Gateway's constantly putting out market perspectives. Can you, one, tell our listeners where they can go to find these if they're interested, but two, touch on your latest piece and your thoughts heading into the end of 2023? Sure, absolutely. Uh, so for anybody that's interested in, in reading our market perspective, you can reach out to your Natixis representative. Um, in addition to that, it's uh, the, our market perspectives are always up on our website, and, and uh, we tend to keep you know, quite a few of them up there from past months as well. This month's market perspective is focused on a, a couple different things or a few different things, and maybe we're expanding on some ideas that we've talked about in recent months as well. Um, and really, that's you know, where can investors turn for a, a portfolio such as ours, a low volatility equity option. Um, like we've talked about throughout this this podcast, we think that this is a really nice and you know almost sweet spot time for a strategy such as ours. Uh, interest rates away from zero, volatility slightly elevated and persistently elevated, we would say, um, with equity market participation. So, you know, investors are faced with with many challenges right now in this kind of new investment landscape, if you will. Equity valuations are lower, but not necessarily cheap. 
volatility levels have shifted higher. Um, but on the flip side, real on a real return basis, I would say bonds are still faced with their own challenges as interest rates ha- have ri- risen so far and, and so much. Um, so you can kind of say, you know, there's a fixed income component, there's an equity risk premium component. And then the third component is the volatility risk premium, which is simply the the ratio between implied volatility and realized volatility in the market. Strategies that seek to monetize the volatility risk premium, which is exactly what the Gateway Fund is trying to do, um, find themselves in a really nice spot right now. So we expand a bit on that idea. Um, and like I mentioned, the easiest way to get a hold of this is to reach out to your Natixis uh, sales representative. Well, awesome stuff, Joe. Thank you again for taking the time to speak with us. Really appreciate it. Yeah, Luke, thanks again for uh, for the time today. You know, there are times when our strategy is set up to do really potentially really good things uh, and really stay true to our mandate for our investors. And we think this is one of those times. To our listeners, we appreciate your continued support and interest in the Gateway Strategies. For more information on the funds, reach out to your Natixis sales representative or visit im.natixis.com. Have a good one. Important information. Average annualized total returns for Gateway Fund Class Y as of March 31st, 2023. 3-month, 5.16. Year-to-date, 5.16. One-year, negative 4.24. Three years, 7.17. Five years, 3.89. Ten years, 4.29. Average annualized total returns for Gateway Fund Class A at NAV as of March 31st, 2023. 3-month, 5.13. Year-to-date, 5.13. One-year, negative 4.45. Three years, 6.93. Five years, 3.65. Ten years, 4.05. Average annualized total returns for Gateway Fund Class A with 5.75% maximum sales charges of March 31st, 2023. Three month, negative 0.92. Year to date, negative 0.92. One year, negative 9.95. Three years, 4.84. Five years, 2.43. Ten years, 3.43. Average annualized total returns for the S&P 500 indexes of March 31st, 2023. Three month, 7.50. Year to date, 7. 7.50, one year, negative 7.73, three years, 18.60, five years, 11.19, 10 years, 12.24, average annualized total returns for the Bloomberg US, aggregate bond indexes of March 31st, 2023, three month, 2.96, year to date, 2.96, one year, negative 4.78, three years, negative 2.77, five years, 0.91, 10 years, 1.36. The Gateway Fund began operations in 1977 and changed its investment strategy to the current strategy in 1988. Average annualized total returns for Gateway Equity Call Premium Fund Class Y as of March 31st, 2023, three month, 5.90, year to date, 5.90, one year, negative 2.87, three years, 13.00, Five years, 6.74. Life of class, September 30th, 2014, 6.36. Average annualized total returns for Gateway Equity Call Premium Fund Class A at NAV as of March 31st, 2023. Three month, 5.90. Year to date, 5.90. One year, negative 3.07. Three years, 12.72. Five years, 6.48. Life of class, September 30th, 2014. 6.10. Average annualized total returns for Gateway Equity Call Premium Fund Class A with 5.75% maximum sales charges of March 31st, 2023. Three month, negative 0.18. Year to date, negative 0.18. One year, negative 8.65. Three years, 10.51. Five years, 5.23. Life of class September 30th, 2014. 5.36. Average annualized total returns for the CBOE S&P 500 by right index, BXMSM, as of March 31st, 2023. Three month, 
5.95, year to date, 5.95, 1 year, negative 6.86, 3 years, 12.25, 5 years, 4.25, life of class September 30, 2014, 5.14, average annualized total returns for the S&P 500 indexes of March 31, 2023, 3 month, 7.50, year to date, 7.50, 1 year, negative 7.73, 3 years, 18.60, 5 years, 11.19, life of class September 30, 2014, 11.06, performance data listed represents past performance and is no guarantee of, and not necessarily indicative of, future results, total return and value will vary, and you may have a gain or loss when shares are sold, current performance may be lower or higher than quoted, for most recent month-end performance, visit im.natixis.com, performance for other share classes will be greater or less based on differences in fees and sales charges, performance for periods less than one year is cumulative, not annualized, returns reflect changes in share price and reinvest of dividends and capital gains, if any, gateway fund gross expense ratio 0.70%, class Y share, 0.95%, class A share, net expense ratio 0.70%, class Y share, 0.94%, class A share, this arrangement is set to expire on April 30, 2023, gateway equity call premium gross expense ratio 0.92%, class Y share, 1.17%, class A share, net expense ratio 0.68%, class Y share, 0.93%, class A share, as of the most recent prospectus, the investment advisor has contractually agreed to waive fees and or reimburse expenses once the expense cap of the fund has been exceeded. This arrangement is set to expire on April 30, 2023, when an expense cap has not been exceeded. The gross and net expense ratios may be the same. Prior to the inception of Gateway Fund Class Y shares, February 19, 2008, performance is that of the predecessor fund and reflects the higher net expenses of that share class. Not all share classes available for purchase by all investors. Class Y shares are available to institutional investors with a minimum initial investment of $100,000 and through certain wrap fee programs, retirement plans, and investment advisory accounts with no minimum. See prospectus for more details. Performance shown for Gateway Fund Class A shares prior to February 15. 2008 is that of the predecessor fund restated to reflect the sales loads of Class A shares. Gateway fund risks. All investing involves risk, including the risk of loss. Diversification does not guarantee a profit or protect against a loss. There is no assurance that any investment will meet its performance objectives or that losses will be avoided. Equity securities are volatile and can decline significantly in response to broad market and economic conditions. Options may be used for hedging purposes, but also entail risks related to liquidity, market conditions and credit that may increase volatility. The value of the fund's positions in options may fluctuate in response to changes in the value of the underlying asset. Selling call options may limit returns in a rising market. Definitions of terms used in this material. Beta is calculated for the three-year period and represents the risk associated with the fund relative to market risks. For example, the market has a beta of 1.00, so if a fund has a beta of 0.85, it can be expected to be 15% less volatile than the overall market. Conversely, if a fund has a beta of 1.08, it can be expected to be 8% more volatile than the overall market. Bloomberg US. Aggregate bond index is an unmanaged index that covers the US. Dollar denominated. Investment grade. Fixed rate taxable bond market of SEC registered securities. The index includes bonds from the treasury, government-related, corporate, mortgage-backed securities, asset-backed securities, and collateralized mortgage-backed securities sectors. You may not invest directly in an index. Congressional Budget Office, CBO, is a federal agency within the legislative branch of the United States government that provides budget and economic information to Congress. CBOE Volatility Index, VIX, is a key measure of market expectations of near-term volatility conveyed by S&P 500 registered sign. Stock Index Option Prices, the Co Volatility Index, Registered sign, VIX, registered sign, reflects a market estimate of future volatility, based on the weighted average of the implied volatilities for a wide range of strikes. First and second month expirations are used until 8 days from expiration, then the second and third are used. CBOE S&P 500 Buy Right Index, BXMSM, is a benchmark index designed to track the performance of a hypothetical buy right strategy on the S&P 500 index. The SPX call is held until expiration and cash settled, at which time a new one month, 
near the money call is written. Correlation is a statistical measure of how two securities move in relation to each other. Correlation is measured on a scale from plus 1.00 to minus 1.00 where 1.00 is perfect positive correlation. 0.00 indicates no relationship, and minus 1.00 is mirror opposite performance. Credit spread is the difference in yield between two bonds of similar maturity but different credit quality. Drawdown is a period of peak to valley performance for a series of investment returns, regardless of whether the drawdown consisted of consecutive months of negative performance. Futures are agreements to buy or sell a particular commodity or security at a predetermined price in the future. Index Auction European Style Expiration Cash Settled and Exchange Traded An auction contract on an index, e.g., S&P 500, in which the buyer, owner, pays a cash premium up front to the seller, writer, of the auction. If at expiration, the auction contract is in the money, the seller pays the owner cash in the amount of the difference between the auction strike price and the current value of the index. Otherwise, the auction expires worthless for the buyer and the seller keeps the full premium received up front. The writer of an auction is paid a cash premium for taking on the risk associated with the auction obligation to pay if the auction expires in the money. Listed index auctions contracts can be closed or traded prior to expiration date, but not exercised. Long-only equity is a feature or policy of many mutual funds. It refers to a policy of only holding long positions in assets and securities. P2B, trailing, ratio is the weighted harmonic average of the price to book. P2B ratios of all the stocks in the portfolio. P2B ratio is the ratio of a stock's price to its book value per share. This excludes negative earnings. P2E, trailing, ratio is the weighted harmonic average of the price to earnings. P2E ratios of all the stocks in the portfolio. P2E ratio is the ratio of a stock's price to its earnings per share for the trailing 12 months. Does not include options. This excludes negative earnings. Peak to trough is the phase of the business cycle from the end of a period of growth. Peak, into declining activity and contraction until it hits its ultimate cyclical bottom. Trough. The business cycle is a repetitive succession of changes in economic activity comprised of four distinct phases. Expansion, recovery, peak, contraction, decline, and trough. Risk-adjusted return defines an investment's return by measuring how much risk is involved in producing that return, which is generally expressed as a number or rating. Risk-adjusted returns are applied to individual securities, investment funds and portfolios. R-squared is calculated for the three-year period and represents the percentage of the fund's movements that can be explained by the movements of the market. For example, index funds will tend to have R-squared values very close to 100. Standard deviation measures the risk of a portfolio or market. Beta, R-squared and standard deviation are calculated on a monthly basis for the three-year annualized period as of the most recent quarter end. Sharp ratio is a measure of risk-adjusted return, calculated by dividing an investment's excess return over a riskless asset, such as the three-month T-bill by its standard deviation of returns. The higher the sharp ratio, the better the historical risk-adjusted performance. S&P 500 index is a widely recognized measure of U.S. stock market performance. It is an unmanaged index of 500 common stocks chosen for market size, liquidity, and industry group representation, among other factors. You may not invest directly in an index. Standard deviation is a statistical measure that sheds light on historical volatility. TINA is an abbreviation for there is no alternative. Volatility is the range of variation in the value of a security. Volatility management techniques may result in periods of loss and underperformance, may limit the fund's ability to participate in rising markets and may increase transaction costs. Weighted average moneyness is how much an option contract strike price is in the money, ITM or out of the money, OTM expressed as a percentage of the price of the option contract's underlying asset. Weighted average days to expiration is the weighted average time until the expiration date of the options. Weighted average call premium to earn is the weighted average potential cash flow to be earned from written call options measured as a percentage of stock assets. Yield curve is a curve that shows the relationship among bond yields across the maturity spectrum. Yield curve inversion is when the interest rate environment in which long-term debt instruments have a lower yield than short-term debt instruments. The index information contained herein is derived from third parties and is provided on an as-is basis. You may not invest directly in an index. The user of this information assumes the entire risk of use of this information. Each of the third-party entities involved in compiling, computing or creating index information disclaims all warranties, including, without limitation, any warranties of originality, accuracy, completeness, 
timeliness, non-infringement, mercantability and fitness for a particular purpose. With respect to such information, this material is provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as investment advice. There can be no assurance that developments will transpire as forecasted. Actual results may vary. The views and opinions expressed are as of April 18, 2023 and may change based on market and other conditions. The index information contained herein is derived from third parties and is provided on an as-is basis. The user of this information assumes the entire risk of use of this information. Each of the third-party entities involved in compiling, computing or creating index information disclaims all warranties, including, without limitation, any warranties of originality, accuracy, completeness, timeliness, non-infringement, mercantility and fitness for a particular purpose. With respect to such information, before investing, consider the fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit im.natixis.com or call 800-225-5478 for a prospectus or a summary prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully. Add tracks. 237776721. Expiration date. July 31, 2023. POD 135. March. 2023.